Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious, eternal God, almighty Father, holy one, creator of heaven and earth, you indeed, Lord, know everything. You know all. You see all. And by your sovereign will and power, you give humans the opportunity to choose whether to follow you or not. Oh, gracious God, speak this word to us. Use your servant. Lord, we humbly come before your throne. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that your word would comfort those that need comforting, would convict those that need convicting, will counsel those that need counseling. And Lord, control us by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let God's people say, amen, amen. Well, let us review our quest series. So we've been in ministry for a while. Now we're moving in the topic of the Messiah. And if you have your Bibles, take them out to Mark chapter 8. We're going to start looking at verses 29 through 35. And if you have your quest Bible, that page number is 1488. That's 1488. So we're exploring God's story. We are looking at Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Our subject lesson today is entitled, Deny Yourself and Follow Me. This is the before and after effect. After we meet Jesus. Encountering the Messiah is not just a touch and go. It's a touch and flow. We're flowing with the Lord. We're flowing with the Spirit. What was your life like before you met Jesus? What's your life look like now, now that you met him? People should see a difference. Well, my faith is private. Hmm. Let's talk about that. Case in point, check out a few before and after pictures. This, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is an earthquake. The before and after. You see the evidence. See, I see the evidence. All right, check this out. Here's the haircut, before and after. Do you see the evidence? Okay, okay, all right, you're getting it. Next slide, please. Wow. Losing weight. You know, God calls us to put every weight aside that so easily besets us. Do people see the difference? Oh, anyway, oh, I'm meddling. I see the difference here. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Look, before a wreck and after the wreck. It's, it's just common sense, folks. Before and after. Then a caterpillar to a butterfly. Did you know that the butterfly and the moth develop a process? They go through this process called metamorphosis. And this is a Greek word which means Transformation. A change in shape, a 
a change in how you look before and after. You see, the disciples were, in effect, experiencing miracles being performed before them. Jesus was doing these things, and it was actually transforming the disciples. They're like, yeah, feeding of 4,000. Look at Mark 8. Then the blind man at Bethesda. You know, that's not stuff that was happening every day. Evidence. Before and after. Can you say before and after? Before. So here in Mark 8, 29 through 30, Jesus raises the question. But what about you, he asked. What do you say? Who, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, and he charged them that they should tell no man of him. When I was studying this, this was a very curious text for me. Now, why would Jesus say chill? In John 4, when he meets the woman at the well, she just goes out and tells the whole city, hey, this is Jesus the Messiah. He, He told me everything about my life. But this particular text is not evangelical. Jesus doesn't want his disciples to tell people that he is the Messiah. Jesus here is explicitly forbids evangelism. The issue is not who Jesus is. We're talking about this text. We're talking about this particular text. If we examine it closely, the issue is what his disciples, that is who those who follow him, who come after him, what they do about the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, we're, we're, we're getting ready to study the Messiah now. <laughs> we're on the theme of the Messiah. So, 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 so what are we going to do about it? I think there's a before and after effect when we meet the Messiah. Like, oh, I believe that there's a transformation. And there's a boldness as well, a boldness. It's not boldness like, but it's a humble boldness. Drenched with the humility of the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse 32, and he spoke saying openly. Jesus is trying to get the disciples to practice a humble boldness. You see, back in verse 31, it said that he began to teach them. He was trying to teach them about the beauty of the cross. He said there was going to be some difficult days ahead. He began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He talks about the difficult days ahead. What's your difficult day? Are there difficult days you're wrestling with right now? Is that a cross? Is it possible that's a cross? I think Jesus is saying, focus on me. 
while you're going through what you're going through. Don't be wrenched and drenched in your emotions. The emotions will do something, but never let put them in the place of the Messiah. Jesus is trying to get the disciples to practice humble boldness. That is to say, Jesus spoke boldly, forthrightly, confidently. He was certain that someone was going to come to him. Jesus was sure of it. And then all of a sudden, Peter said, hey, hey. No, not on my watch. <laughs> you ain't going to go down, Jesus. We got you. Verse 32, he spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside. And Peter actually began to rebuke Jesus. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, uh, he rebuked Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, uh, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. I'd like to introduce to some and present to others the actor, Mr. Dana Carvey, in his role as the church lady. Many of you know this, you've probably seen this before, but the church lady had a particular role. The church lady was always examining everything. Hmm, could this be Satan? Always examining things, always trying to check out, well, like, what's really behind that motivation? And here when Jesus approaches Peter and says, get thee behind me, say, Jesus, Jesus already knows Peter's whole life lane. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. So what's interesting here is that there are some people that will come upon you that are trying to make your way a little unsatisfying. Sometimes it's the spirit that's influencing the person. It's really not the person. Get thee behind me, Satan. In the Aramaic language of Jesus' day, Satan wasn't always a proper name. Satanus means adversary or accuser. Also, the prosecuting attorney when one caught a case. So a Satan is anything or anyone who gets on your case. It's got the case. Or is anyone that's in the way. Verse 34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Do, do, do you mind if I go to the piano for a minute? Come on, we're going to the piano. Do you remember that song that we used to sing? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided 
silence, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me. We sing that song. We probably never thought, thought about singing that song in this kind of context. The cross before me, the world behind me, it means we've got to deny ourselves. You know, you don't know what some people are going through in this room. They're going through something that is a cross. It's something to bear. And God is allowing it. There's some people here that are dealing with some things. You have no idea. But Jesus says, I got you. That's the beauty of the cross. You are already redeemed. You know the great things was about songs, what songs do, they help instantiate, impress into our, the marrow of our bones. Actually, what we're trying to understand. No turning back. Sing with me. No turning back. One more time. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. Peter was supposed to be following Jesus. He was supposed to be following Jesus. So this sound, this sound right now is this representation of following Jesus. You're in the flow. You're in the flow. You know you're in the flow. But when Jesus starts talking about the difficult days ahead, and Peter gives Jesus a piece of his mind. That is, Peter makes it clear that he is not interested what God has in mind. Did you feel the dissonance? But God will take your thoughts and his thoughts and then will resolve it and bring a sense of peace and ease. The Messiah is our leader. So Peter gets in Jesus' grill. He gets right in front of Jesus. He confronts him in front of all the other disciples. What in the world is Peter doing. He's exercising his leadership, and it's a strange thing to try to lead Jesus. <laughs> Peter's not supposed to be leading. The Messiah is our leader. Peter's supposed to be following. So he decides to follow Jesus and to come after him and so forth, putting himself in front of Jesus. Peter is in the wrong place in line. And so Jesus has to put him back in line. A new key, Jesus puts him back. He puts Peter in his place, the place of all who come after Jesus is 
behind Jesus. Jesus didn't tell Peter to stop being an adversary, to stop being an accuser. He didn't tell him to stop commenting, correcting, or criticizing. He just told him to get out of the way, to get back to the only place fitting and proper for any follower of Jesus to be behind him. Lord, take us back. Take me back. Take me back to you, Lord. To the place. To the place. Now, see, that, see, there it is. That's the key word. Place. When I first received you, that's the, key, that, that, that's the point. It's the before and after effect. Do you remember when you first met Jesus? I think it's a good idea when Stephen really starts to complain, complain, complain. Stephen, go to your first love, to that place when you first received Jesus. Get behind Jesus. Don't get in front of Jesus. And so with a repentant heart, I say, Lord, take me back. Take me back to you, Lord, where I, I first believed. Mm, oh, take me back. Mm, take me on back to you, Lord. To the place where I first received you. Oh, take me back. Oh, yes. Take me on back to you, Lord. Lord, where I first And I can see that was probably running through Peter's heart. He realized he got out of place. You see, when we think it's all about us, we become unwitting victims of our self-centeredness, self-delusion, and self-destruction. You know, we live in a very selfie centered world, society. It's all about self, self-help, self-esteem, self-doubt, self-love. Self-doubt, self-love, self-care. I mean, it's like a musical theater, man. It's just like self, self, self. It's wonderful, myself. I mean, think about it. That's a lot of drama and Jesus is going, oh my God, man, what's, what's going on? Jesus, is care, he cares about our souls. It is well with my soul. They didn't expect that one. He didn't expect the, the, the theater thing. What's the third service? They can, they can handle that. You know, if you're doing ministry and you can't have fun, just stop doing it, man. You know what I'm saying? Can you give the Lord a hand praise on that? It's like, if you can't, if you can't enjoy Jesus, don't you, you I, then I got to say, get thee behind me, Satan. You're getting in my way when I can't enjoy Jesus. And sometimes my greatest enemy is me. I'm getting in the way of joining Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you better just enjoy Jesus. Do that. We enjoy Jesus because Jesus is concerned about our soul. You know that hymn, it is well, it is well with my soul. 
concerned about souls. And Jesus knows that if we don't deny ourselves, we're going to have a problem. Jesus knows if we don't take up our cross and follow him, we're going to have a problem. Now, Jesus, Jesus saves, and we are securing our salvation. I want you to know that you can be happy in Jesus. But we don't want to lose the potential of our reward. We want to live well. Finally, in verse 34, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will, let them come after me. Notice the language here. The before and after language here is the language of space, not the language of time. That is, come after me equals follow me. Follow me along the way of the cross. And that equals get thee Behind me, that is, take your position in space. After is equivalent of behind. After is not the equivalent to later, which refers not to space but time. Jesus bids his disciples to follow him in the way of the cross. But following him in the way of the cross means getting out of the way. Sometimes you got to get out the way in order to be in the way of Jesus. Because Jesus wants to cover us. In closing, Jesus insists that if we are not willing to be saved, if we are not willing to be lost, the only way we may be fully alive is to lose ourselves in something bigger than our lives, greater than life itself, that we might be saved from the petty tyranny of self with all the self-centeredness, self-delusion, and self-destructions. So, so as Pastor, Pastor Vic, yesterday, he was teaching us the haya, right? Remember that? How many of you were here last Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Can you do the haya? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the equivalent to that in this context is the denial. We're breaking down walls and we deny. Closing, I want to give nine denials for your consideration, if you will. We deny the desire to take revenge. We deny the right to a good reputation. We deny the right to spend money however we please. We deny the right to be served and honored. We deny the right to complain. And don't complain about it if somebody's not denying the right to complain. <laughs> we deny the right to put self first. We deny the right to rebel against authority. We deny the right to hold a grudge. We deny the right to live by our own perspective. God is concerned about our souls so that we can live well on this side of eternity. We already know we got a, we got a home not made by hand, but, you know, by, by hand, but we have an eternal home in heaven. But meanwhile, back here, we should be about the restoration of all things. Hallelujah. Put up this next slide, folks. Check this out. Which house? Do you want to live in? 
This is a before and after effect that takes place when we meet Jesus. What does your house look like? You think it's all right on the inside? On the outside, excuse the expression, it ain't looking too good. Jesus wants to restore these temples. But in order to do that, we got to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Which house do you want? God's got you. Deny yourselves. Take up your cross. Follow Jesus. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. Your word is final. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.